we're back with podcast number 10 which, which is podcast number 10 of hoarding stuff or hoarding stuff depending on which way um it appeals to you and tonight i've got david as always um and pips joined us again and we're going to attempt uh, as we always attempt to stay on track and talk about <laughs> grief, <laughs> grief and bereavement oh sorry i was laughing at grief and bereavement sorry yeah that was wrong laughing you should <laughs> You shouldn't have laughed then. I'm allowed to laugh, though. I'm allowed well, to laugh. About you are allowed to laugh. And I was just going to say, I think that's the start of the 10, even though it's podcast number 10. Yeah. Because that's one of the big misnomers, isn't it? People go, mm. oh, no, I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't be enjoying myself. I shouldn't laugh. I, should, I, I said to my um, stepdaughter mm-hmm. last week, who lost her mum yeah. very suddenly yeah. uh, a couple of months ago, and I said, how are you? feeling and she said oh I'm, I think I'm getting better and then she went oh I shouldn't say that should I shouldn't say that and I said no you should say that you know well I mean my mum died two weeks ago yeah um, and she'd also it was funny because she managed to arrange it if you can arrange such things to die there were two actual years precisely between my, my dad dying and my mum dying Wow. And they never agreed about anything in life because they got divorced quite early. But they obviously thought, like the Klingons go, this is a good day to die, right? <laughs> the 25th of March. And the other bizarre thing was that my, my, I'd gone uh, into wanting to commemorate my dad's death. And my mum's obviously gone, I'm not having any of that. I'm going to die on the same day, so you can't do it. <laughs> So it's a, it's a weird thing, really. Um, yeah. But you're right, it seems to be lost, doesn't it, that that um, promotes a lot of um, the hoarding behaviour mm. that we have. Yeah, I think the, the thing that, that really came home to me when uh, experiencing my first close deaths mm. um, is that it's finite. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's um, it's absolute. It's um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you you had up to that point, that's what you got. <laughs> that's mm. your lot. You know, and I think a lot of people grind themselves into the ground about things they ought to have done and should have mm. said, and mm. ways they should have been. Well, that's you know, that's just it. You don't get that. The thing that I I am fascinated by is. Especially on things like Facebook, where, where celebrities, who, who, you know, like John Lennon's having his hundred and whatever birthday. Yeah. And I always, always put up, you know, um, whoever it is, they're dead. They don't get any more birthdays. You know, that's the, we, we seem to want to prolong, even with celebrities, that, they, think, that they're still somewhere getting a birthday. Yeah. You, well, they're not. That's it. What you, what you can't do. With, with the dead is you and I quite I came up with this a little while ago I don't, I don't it's not original but you can't help somebody who's dead you can remember them and you can learn from them and you can celebrate yeah. them right but you can't do much more than that really they're, they're they're alive as long as they're in your head and I think that's probably why people do that they want to keep them yeah. alive I mean if you if you were to talk to somebody who is a John Lennon fan they're not really concerned about John Lennon as a person. They're just concerned about what John Lennon gave them as a 
a performer that very true you know, mm. they wouldn't know his life at all they wouldn't know you know oh no i mean that's a, that's a, a challenge. i love ian jury who mm. um had a long battle with with cancer mm-hmm. and um a journalist asked him, how do you want to be remembered? And he said, I don't want to be remembered. I want to live. I don't want to be remembered. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, quite right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like when people say to me, you know, what, you know, what, what do you want at your funeral? What music do you want at your funeral? Where, you know, where, where are we scattering your ashes? I don't care. I'm not there. It doesn't matter. Does it? It doesn't matter. It's not, it means absolutely nothing to me. I sing comic songs on my grave. I don't care. I'm not yeah. there. I want and a I keyboard. Me. I want one of those, you know, in big, the keyboard yeah. that they dance on. I want one of those yeah. on my grave. If I had a grave. Right. I, I love, I love the guy. I don't, please be true. Because I, 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 I saw this thing that they, as the coffin went down, mm. the dad had insisted that the son place a tape recording in there of him going, this Irish guy going, let me out, what's going on? Out there, everybody, <laughs> yeah. let me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, my the, the first thing I ever thought was, you know, talking about laughing about death. There, there's um, a guy in Germany mm. who hated his family and was very rich, and insisted that the will was read in a particular room in the house. Mm-hmm. And before he died, it had the Joyce sawn through <laughs> just <laughs> in <laughs> as the last person arrived. <laughs> The floor gave way, and I just thought, "You Brilliant. genius!" Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want that to be. I just so want that to be true. But it, uh, you know, we we do get we do get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I think with with fear of finding it, finding you know the passing of someone funny. But my family are from from Liverpool, so a lot of the you know the, the when that, you know when my family had passed, we've mm. we've had funerals in Liverpool, and literally, an auntie of mine turned around to me and said, "I'm having the best time I've had in ages." <laughs> 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 and her husband's funeral. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, but I've had we've I, those funerals are just what I remember of them is the family laughing mm. and gloriously. Just as a get together, mm. and we're we're as a rule, I think we're pretty hopeless at that stuff. And if, if I've got to have people, I mean, I've, I feel like I want to record me making, you know, saying something outrageous at my funeral. Oh, I want I want to do that. I don't want to say something outrageous, but I do uh, want to. Well, you're watching this. If you're watching this, then I'm dead. I do fancy <laughs> doing one of those. Here's, here's the strange thing about. Um, so, I was thinking about. Um, my dad and my mum and my stepdad and um, I don't have any uh, video or audio of them Um, Mm. apparently my cousin's got my cousin was rung by me my mum and she said oh it's your auntie Margaret calling it's just your auntie Margaret I'll talk to you later right and she's kept it because it was the Monday before she died she kept it on the answering machine She, she hasn't got rid of it so one of the things that uh, I got from Kickstarter, because I went off on this big spend on Kickstarter, is a voice assistant, right? And so I'm going to transfer the audio onto the voice assistant. So every now and again, the voice assistant, will, I'll take the auntie bit out. <laughs> it's just Margaret here. 
I'll talk to you later. <laughs> come out every now and again, you know. And one of the things that I said to Jane was, um, we're doing a lot of the stuff for my auntie, really, and, and for family, because I'm not really a religious person. And uh, so it came up, it's like, well, what would I want? And what I want is for people to celebrate and for them to be forced to watch every film that I have ever been in and all of the 56 Story Shed stories. Right? They can't leave until they've seen every single bit of video of me ever. And they have to listen to all the podcasts as well. <laughs> and they will be listening to where this evil genius plan was hatched. That's correct. Yeah. And, they're best, and they're best be taking a weekend off or, or, or two days off work to do it as well. Because hopefully I'll be dead by the time I'm 90 or something. And there'll be a huge backlog of back catalogue wow. of, of things. That so I've it'll be done. like two weeks worth of viewing and listening. Make it a festival. Let's yes. <laughs> let's make it a festival. Dave's, Dave's Festival of Death. Yeah. Or delightful death you know um, yes yeah. and i think that that it's it's a kind of a weird maybe that's just morbid that you're trying to cling on to people in that in that way but i i quite like it i quite like the somebody cropping up every now and again and going mm -hmm. well it's something that, that has has occurred to me on, on a number of occasions we, we spend our life in the presence of ghosts mm. you know you yeah. can watch you can watch a film from the 40s. Humphrey Bogart is dead. Yeah. I can put, we mentioned you can put the Beatles on. John Lennon and George Harrison are dead. I yeah. can read, I can get advice from the greatest minds in history. They're all dead. They're all gone. <laughs> and it's like, they're, they're just, it's ghosts. We, 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 you know, when you think of it in those terms. Yeah. We yeah. are handling the, the the you know the, the the remnants of dead peoples you go into a building you go into a building that's been around for a long time yeah. like the universities or cathedrals or places yeah. like that and and they've been yeah but the, the 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 interesting thing i suppose with with um what we're talking about the the collecting and the hoarding Ooh. is that those we tend to project those people onto things as well yes you we do so you mentioned John Lennon, and people are prepared to spend a fortune on getting John Lennon's piano. Yeah. And but they are imbued. These things are, you know, this is something I, I never mock people that have no, no. Uh, th these emotional attachments to objects. Because if you watch something as, as, as lovely as the repair shop, mm. where people bring things, mm -hmm. they're imbued. Their, their memories of that person in, into those objects. Mm. And they're joy they get when they're repaired is is phenomenal and it's and it's uh, you, you can't mock that and mm. we as human beings we we imbue uh, we've imbued objects from from the go-get you yeah. know we, yeah. we we've left our handprints behind in caves yeah. uh, for, for you know and we can put our hands in those handprints mm. they fit and they're just these are these are people be, be, before history Mm. And it's and it's fantastic. I mean, we we, but that that sense of of of, of loss. I always think it, it, in very simple terms when it comes to 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 hoarding, mm -hmm. is that you know we we are uncomfortable with our impermanence. Yeah, so we want anything, immortality. Yeah, so anything yeah. that that is that creates a sense of permanence. 
mm. we grab hold of. So yeah. um, photographs, and my, like you said photographs and now videos of people. Mm. We, we're desperate to, to take them of ourselves. Mm. But I think there's a, is it, is it, is it um, a Ray Davies song? People take pictures of each other just to prove that they yeah, were they there. Were there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, because if you go back to the Victorians, right, when photography was starting to become, a, well, a little bit less expensive for your, your working class folks, right? Some people only had photographs when somebody died. Yes. And you have these, these really strange photographs of dead people with, with kind of coverings over them, with mm. baby or whatever it is, or, or dead babies. And that's the only picture that's one of the weirdest ones, yeah. have. The dead, the dead baby photos are quite odd because you can you often see an entire family, all the siblings going around, mm -hmm. and it's clearly the baby is no longer alive. That's right, yeah. And they yeah. weren't squeamish about that. They weren't squeamish whatsoever. No. It's kind of memento um, mori, you know. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's including that short life mm. forever in some way in the family, and you and you don't forget it. I think it's one of the important things that that I know is is provided for. Um, Early, early death children now born, in, you know, at birth is that you can get, a, you can put the clothes on you brought for them, and you can have a photograph. And this, this level of, 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 uh, of, of properly grieving, it's one thing I think is, is one of the causes of problems with, with death. Is, is, you know, um, unresolved grief. Grief you haven't done your grief. Mm. Um, and when my, my mum died, I was pretty stoic about it. I remember I was I was there at the time. I watched it. It was, it was as, as mm -hmm. interesting to me as the birth of my daughter. It was really yeah. really fascinating to watch the actual mechanical processes of my mum expiring. It's a transference, um, it isn't it? It's heartbreaking. But I didn't have the moment. And then something happened. Somebody upset me, and they they allowed that floodgate to open. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I just fell to pieces. You know, I held on to it till I got home, and when I got home, I just was straight. And I needed to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's I a natural thing, isn't it? It's a natural yeah, thing. It, James, it's Mom. almost like there was something locked inside that was like screwing me up. And I, mm. and and it's 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 similar to the thing that people that are in um, severe road accident, the people who have the the, the mad panic at the point that, that freak out at that point, they mm. recover faster than people that. Uh, time and, and yeah. later on so yeah. I think the fact that we've got this this concept in this country of the stiff upper lip is extraordinarily bad for us and we should allow grief yeah. it's unhealthy I mean Jane's mum died I think nearly this year it'll be eight years since she died and we were there when she went and she was sitting in her her, her armchair that she'd got more recently you know because she wasn't sleeping in her bed she wanted to sleep in her armchair and, and have her feet up so when she died, Jane brought the chair back, right? And her bed and stuff. And I've taken great delight ever since because we've still got it eight years later. It's looking a bit shabby now. But if we ever get any bureaucratic people coming, you go, oh, have a seat, have a seat, right? And the, when they've got comfortable, you go, that's the chair that Jane's mum died in. <laughs> if you find yourself speaking in Russian and wanting vodka... <laughs> And, and talking about uh, quantum physics, you've just been possessed by Jane's mum. And it's just <laughs> lovely to see them, them feeling uncomfortable. Because I like doing We've it. A peculiar, a peculiar thing. We, we, know, we, we make ghost stories, we make mm. um, horror stories, and we, we you know, invariably does 
the, the horrific scene in the graveyard yep. where whoever's in the graveyard have got no capacity whatsoever to hurt you <laughs> at yeah. all, <Yeah>. dead, <laughs> you know, no agency in life at all. And yet the streets all around are like people are, you know, desperate to hurt you, are alive. Yeah. It is weird how we, I mean, so my mum moved house. Um, I can't even remember what it was. It was very recent, and she moved to a different part of the country to be with this fella, and then she didn't get on with him very well, and she moved back again. So she got rid of a lot of her furniture, which means that any of the furniture that's now in her place has an absolutely no, uh, no emotional connection with me at all. So I can go along now and go, yeah, okay, it can... It's, it's got no meaning to me. A fridge freezer, that's a fridge freezer. A sofa, that's a sofa. They, they can leave it there if they want to, if, if somebody else is going to have good use of it. I'm not, you know, so it's it's a kind of like a, a relief in a way that that's happened. Because, you know. Yeah, I just think when my mum was, was dying, I was wondering, you know, the, the thing I, I, I was really getting me through was she had terminal cancer. Yeah, and um, I read Timothy Leary's book about his death, which is a, a really fascinating book. I forget what it's called now, but it's he starts the book off because he's got um, a terminal cancer, and he knows it's coming, and yeah. uh, so he writes the book and leaves the final chapters to his to his friends. He was planning to to die online. Which did uh, he made it very world, public, didn't he? He made it very, he very public. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do it in the end. But no. but he had a lovely thing. He said, when he thinks about death, it's like death is where he isn't. And he said, so if I think of myself in France, mm. I'm not there. <laughs> That's what death's like. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not there. I always think, you know, the point on the map that says you are here, mm. you're not there. <laughs> no. No. That's about the most we can think about it, I think. You know, for me anyway. I mean, you know, other people have created a great deal of solace out of, uh, you know, thinking as an additional component. And I, and I hope there is, but um, I don't know. And I'm quite happy not to know. Mm. So if we are imbuing things with, um, with, you know, with, um, with you know, um, the influence of the person, how do you get around to the point where you can let those things go. How do you get to the point where you go, right, I've, I've got this. Um, I mean, some things, the smaller things won't, won't matter so much. I mean, like my, I think my granddad left me his watch. So that's not exactly a huge, massive thing. That I'm, no, I'm and that's easy to keep. About. That's easy to keep. But what do you do about things when you, you go into, I don't know, that gazebo? Roald Dahl's shed where he wrote his stories, right? <laughs> Probably staying in the garden still, but, you know, something big. I think, we, yeah, we get trapped in that, don't we? Because Roald Dahl's, sh people, you know, Roald Dahl's shed, very hard to say that, Roald Dahl's shed. Is, 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 a, is a, a historic place. I mean, everything we do is historic. Yeah. But, you know, if I had a shed, it, nobody on the, in the world would want to come and visit my shed. Right. <laughs> not, for, not for anything, you know. So we, we I think it's, it's, 
it's overwhelming sadness, isn't it, really, when it comes down to it, that you're, re- you're it's the second death of the person to release their stuff. Yes. And yeah. so you, and you also feel there's a, there's a sense of being a, you know, um, a traitor mm. to the memory of them. Yes, I, think, I their... think that's very strong because there's a lot of people holding on to things that were their loved one's favourite. You know, it was my mum's favourite blanket or my dad's favourite hat or mm. whatever. And, um, and that's already a step away from you. It's not your favourite. Yeah. And so people have this sort of reverence for knowing what their loved one loved, but mm. it wasn't what they loved. They loved the fact that they loved the loved one, but not the beret. That So this one lady, her dad used to always wear a beret when he was in the garden. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the older he got, the more time he spent in the garden. And he got quite a collection of berets. Mm. And she said, I can't let them go yet. I need to... You know, I've just got to keep them because they're just like there's something about those that is really pulling me in. And she said, in fact, I've put a couple of them by my back door so that when I go in the garden, I see them. And then I'll I'll probably that might have been maybe a year later or maybe longer than that. I went back to do some more work with her. Um, She'd asked me to go. These were sort of one off client sessions. And um she said, I had to get rid of the berets. Yeah. And I said, oh, why? you know, what happened? And she said, I realised, because now I'm sort of further away from my dad's death, I, she said, I realised that they didn't make me happy. They actually mm-hmm. made me sad. And she said, why on earth would I be keeping something to make mm. me sad? But for a while, she couldn't unravel that knowledge. It was mm-hmm. just too painful, and it was all tied up in stuff and like my my stepdaughter at the moment says Mm. i can't leave my house now that that you know before her mum died Mm. they were thinking about moving and her mum died suddenly and unexpectedly and she's quite young and she went she said i can't leave this house now because my mum planted most of the garden here so she can't leave her own house because her mum was so involved in creating that's, that's, that garden, yeah, she okay. can't leave it yet. Yeah, and that's what yeah, I said to her. I said, that's yeah, yet. Yeah, because you know, gardens die, right? Like we all do. They're, they're and they change and alter. And, they're meant to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I said, so, you know, at the moment, it's too, everything's too raw for you to think about. And everything keeps coming at you, you know, like... Like you said, Dave, you know, you, you just keep bursting into tears and it's because a thought's wandered into your head or something's reminded you of something. It's or... because my mum was a feeder, right? So yeah. I'm cooking dinner and it's like... Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's not, not good. If every time you're cooking dinner or doing the washing up, you're going to cry. It, it, uh, I think now two weeks has, has, has been okay and obviously it's going to bubble up again when I'm I'm there and but it's also a kind of a bizarre thing because um we were just well I thought we were completely different and now I'm starting to see signs of like hold on a minute hey what what so she said I I lived in a dream world for for most of my life she goes you live in a dream world and apparently um she's been 
making up fictitious friends for the last 30 years. <laughs> to shame they them. <laughs> they can't find any reference to these people that she's supposedly been talking to for 30 years, right? And Wow. And so my family are now going, but she, she just seems to have made them up. And I'm going, hold on a minute. When I was doing my, my drama and creative writing, right, she'd go, no, that, that's dreadful. You, you shouldn't be doing that. That's all. That's lies, that is. That's lies, right? And then you go, hold on a minute. So if she's made up these, these things for the past 30 years. She's an even better creative writer than I am. She's, she's created an entire saga. <laughs> right? Was it... Was it- We'd like to come and visit moment. Oh, you can't come. I've got Dorothy. Right. That's right. Yeah, my friend's coming. My friend's. Oh, uh, do you want to come? Do you want to come to us for Christmas? No, um, I'm I'm going with my friend. Right. That's Oscar Wilde's creation of the Bumbryism, isn't it? You know, yes. Yeah. My friend <laughs> But for thirty years, and and um, my auntie was telling me all of the details of this thing, and I'm just sitting there going, right. Also, that person did this, and they did that, and. The next year they did this, and you're like, what? Anyway, so. Oh, well, that's so, fascinating, though, isn't it? You know, that, make, that just makes your mum really, really interesting. Yes, yes. She, she's so, just kind yeah. of like a, a, a mass of contradictions, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that that's one of the things I've, I've taken away from, from her, is that she was uh, a much more creative person than I ever gave her credit for, for 52 years. Is it? Is that, is fantasist, that, yeah, complete fantasist. And and then you go, hold on a minute, that, maybe that's, um, oh, it's starting to make sense now. It's yeah. starting to. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting that the traits that we have from our parents that we ourselves yeah. often don't see yeah. until we're standing at a distance. But I remember listening to Bernard Cornwell, I think it was, who mm. was adopted as a as a you know as, as a baby, um, and so he never knew his real parents. Mm. Um, but he decided that he was going to go and find them, and okay. so first of all he found his mum, and she lived. She she never sought him out, so she had no idea that she had a an author, a historical author as a son. Yeah. Um, but when she he found her, he said her bookcases were full of history books. Uh, and then the other this was yes. also quite interesting and spooky. He's the reason why he was put up for adoption was his father was a Canadian airman in the war mm. who was already married. And so uh, I don't I don't know if his mum even told him that she was pregnant anyway. He got in touch with the family and they were delighted, luckily, because that could have been awful. Yeah. Um, they were delighted that they had a half brother over in the UK and their dad was still alive. And so he went out to Canada and they, they said, oh, let's all meet up at this restaurant. And he said, as I was walking into the restaurant, I heard my own laugh. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. It was really spooky. And so, I mean, that that these are the sort of things that, you take for granted when you you're with your birth family, yeah. But when you aren't, and then you find it, that is just it must be amazing, you know. I have to say that if I found out that one of my relatives had written something like the Sharp novels, I'd be really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Oh yeah, can you introduce <laughs> me to Sean Bean? <laughs> Bean Bean. <laughs> yeah. 
was the same with um, um, Archie Leach or Cary Grant. His his mum had vanished, and she was in an asylum for mm. uh, a, a very long, all through his like childhood, and, that, and he only found out later on in life, and then um, paid for her to be, you know, um, looked after. But I don't know. Was it so? No, it's just a weird one, isn't it? I was just thinking about the things that, you know, you do, and so you don't notice. I remember I realised that I was very similar to my dad, but only when I, A, started talking to him properly because as a teenager and then a young adult, mm. I didn't really. He was still like dad and you didn't have conversations. But when I went to live in Italy, he then, him and my mum would come and stay mm. and I had to talk to him. Um, not that I didn't want to, I just didn't, if you know what I mean. But then I actually found him quite interesting. And then I decided, I realised that I looked like him. And do you know what I mean? It was just quite, but I had lived with him up to that point. For 22 years, I'd lived in the same house as him, but I'd never mm. really looked at him, conversed with him or looked at mm. him. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if bereavement is a, a kind of a trigger for hoarding. Yes, it is. Definitely. Is, is adoption a trigger as well? Then, if you've if you've been adopted, is it something? What discovering that? I think. I think we in our in our group sessions, uh, we we've just done around Robin and see it, who's who's had you know bereavements, mm. um, lost through crises, mm. you know all that kind of stuff. And it's all it's all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I'd firmly state that there is um, it is. If you if you have the correct brain setting, this is the thing that people must understand. Um, there are triggers mm. that will set up certain behaviours, mm -hmm. but they are totally dependent on you having the brain setting. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's there's a thing that's very prevalent at the moment: the the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, and and the the the, the, the statement is: if you have four or more of those, you're going to be a problem child. So in America, right. if you've got four or more of them, they put you in a special class and you get a special education that helps you not become a problem child. Mm. But problem adult. Is, is the researchers, which I've recently discovered, because I discovered that you needed the, the brain setting, a particular mm. brain setting, in order for that, that, those triggers to make you a problem child. Yeah. If you don't, you're resilient. You're resilient and you bump along and all those things can happen to you and you're resilient and you're fine. I thought that was a separate bit of uh, research, but it isn't. It's in the original research. People have decided to take it, separate that, yeah. and use it uh, to their own end. So they get a class full of kids. When they only need to, they, they need to ascertain whether some of those kids are actually resilient and will bounce back. Mm -hmm. and most of us do. So those of us who, who end up um, presenting with hoarding behavior, I've got this particular... Um, it's, it's a it's a left brain setting, right? Um, and uh, which creates which means that you're more susceptible to it, right? So yeah. you can basically be have all the all the all the indicators for us to be a psychopath, yeah. And have and have the other thing is that you have none of the triggers for it, and so you never become a psychopath. On the other hand, you could have all the triggers to become a psychopath, but not have the brain setting and never become one. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. The, the, the ultimate thing for me is, is that yes, um, the people that that present to us in the groups mm. are clearly already presenting with the hoarding behaviour. So if you ask them, 
a large portion of them will, will have um, a bereavement. A lot of them will say, I didn't do this until my mum died. Yeah. Or I didn't do this mm. until my dad. Or I, one was, when I go in my kitchen, I can't bear tidying it up because to be in the kitchen is where I used to be with my dad a lot. Yeah. And that yeah. just reminds me of being with, so I leave my kitchen an absolute mess. I can't bear to be in there. And so you, these are, and, and, and the, the truth of this is mm. it's reasonable behavior. It's, I'll say this time and time again, you're, you're working your way through protecting and learning how to protect a vulnerable heart. Mm. You've been wounded. Yeah. Trauma comes, it, it derives from the word wound. Mm. And, and these, this, these feelings, I mean, you know, these bereavement feels like a wound mm. that won't heal. And over a lot of time, for some people, it, it doesn't. And why should it? If you, you know, if you lose the love of your life, how do you suppose to bounce back from that? You don't. No, you don't. But I think you just said it, didn't you? It's a wound mm. that yeah. heals, it heals eventually. but it leaves a scar. <laughs> It, well, it always leaves a lumpy scar it, that is it, always it, there. Where the, where, the, where the Fisher King is the is the myth of the of the king who had the wound that doesn't heal. Yeah, and he's the healer, and by that he becomes the healer of the world. And it so has physical implications, grief. Yeah. You know, you, you have physical symptoms of grief, don't yeah. you? You have you have those, and and you have to have those, I think, for that when wound. Break down. To, I mean, that's a very. I mean, my, my experience was of of crushing losing. You know, losing my shit. Mm. <laughs> you know, no, totally breaking down, and and just just uncontrollable. Just for a just for that, and it was cathartic. Yeah, I had to have a freak out because I just you know I needed I needed people to understand the way I felt that I was hiding this thing. You know, I I thought I was doing stiff up a pretty good, and it was just a night, just one night, and to do that, I just felt that was it. That was the beginning of my recovery. I'm off now. Mm. But you know, it, it is for some people. There's, you know, I've obviously got the, the brain set that's that's resilient and can recover from this stuff. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have these experiences. I mean, I have got a massive collection of stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, I do have quite a mess <laughs> um, in one particular room uh, where my stuff is. You know, but so maybe I do have certain elements of that. And my loss was very early in. In childhood, my father died when I was five. Sense mm. that I was resilient and I, and I recovered from that, and I went through life. And so, so early on that it had no mark on me. Right. Later on in life, I've been, you know, uh, working in the field of psychology. I realised it had a, it's got a very strong mark on me. Uh, um, I wonder if and, it's like, uh, you know, like when they measured, they measured. Um, this is daft. I'm sorry. But when they measured like the rings on trees, mm. if there's a similar thing like that, when an event happens, it's like a, a mark, it's like a ring on a tree that that, that has an impact. A significant um, life a significant, event. Yeah. 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 Um, the, You're bumping along fine, aren't we? We're all bumping yeah. along. I mean, someone described, um, because in the West we don't, we don't consider we are going to die. Mm. It's, it's like walking up and down the set of stairs all our lives, and one day we trip on the top one. Mm. <laughs> you know, we just yeah. suddenly, what, what happened there? Well, we knew this yeah. is, it's coming. You know, we know, but we, we won't pay attention to it. My friend, a um, uh, dear friend of mine, Alison Jean Lester, lovely, lovely author, um, you know, proper, proper published author. 
right. um, has written a book called Absolutely Delicious, uh, Chronicle of Extraordinary Dying, about the uh, initiative, the early chapters of the book are about the death of a, a father, and then the, the, the main body of the book is the death of her mother, and both her parents had got knew they got terminal illnesses and planned their own deaths. Yeah, and 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 left this world, uh, you know, um, as they chose. Right. So, which is which is a phenomenal thing to do because most of us just let this stuff happen to us. Mm. But um, I think this book should be, you know, given to every single human being, really, to just to see that you can. It's it's not a horrific thing. Mm. Um, I just read the, the 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 first paragraph of the book. If I can do this without getting upset, because I know Alison well, and this is it's just a lovely thing. It says, yeah. my mother, Val Valerie Lester, died on the morning of June 7th, 2019, of metatastic melanoma. Mm. I'm driven to write about it because her death was, by all the standards I can imagine, a good one. Not only was the moment of her death good, the weeks of decline leading to her death were good. And not only that, the 18 months between her first dire prognosis and her death were some of the happiest months of her life. Her final moment was, I suppose, ordinary. She drew a last breath devoid of drama. Mm. When her body could no longer maintain itself, her approach to dying, though, that was amazing. And the book's yeah. called Absolutely Delicious because that's the last thing she said, um, oh, oh. having taken a sip of a gin and tonic. Wow. And it, wow. That's but smart. the book itself um, really is very, um, per, it reveals a lot of personal stuff about the actual process of dying. It's mm. not squeamish at all. And uh, just the fact that her parents planned their, their, their exit, um, uh, you know, themselves and were in complete control of it. And to know that you can do that. And I think it's, it's, I think when you when you work that out, the, your family around you have already done the grieving. Yeah, and it allows you to to have a lot of comfort. Um, we we shunted off to one side, and I, I was watching a, a one of these Roman epics that had um, um, Christopher. Oh, come on now, David. Um, Plummer von Trapp. Christopher Plummer. Plummer, yeah, Christopher Plummer as Commodus, as this Roman emperor. And they did that thing of having the guy next to him, and he, he gave him a really dirty look when he did it, which was uh, going up to the emperor and going, just remember you're mortal. Right? <laughs> just remember you're mortal. Because there's all these people going, oh, yeah, Commodus. Oh. And then this guy going, just remember you're mortal. And this lovely kind of like look from Christopher Plummer of, Oh, sod off. <laughs> I was just enjoying feeling like a god. Yeah. I think I'm going to go up and say, free biggest dickus, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think maybe that's something that we, we tend to tend to not remember that. And, and we tend to also have um, expectations that, that we're going to go on for, for a longer and longer time. And during that period of time, we should be doing things that are over the top, uh, that that are, are you know life is is kind of um, uh, probably been 
tainted by television and films and we should be doing the, we should be the instagram's even worse now you should be doing this you should be doing that and if you're not doing that well you're not living life right are you yeah i kind of think that's one of the other tragedies of of the fact that as 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 you know the, the higher apes that who who are are aware that we have got a finite mm. time of existence that mm -hmm. uh, uh, we we kind of got this this overwhelming thing is if you haven't filled your life with fantastic stuff you've you know, what's the point well yeah the, the, the absolute point is you just be you you mm -hmm. you you enjoy being you as much as you possibly can be i mean my whole my whole ethos of the work i do is to help somebody become the best version of themselves they yeah. can be not yeah. some dream of, of celebrity or mm -hmm. or achievements but that that you know, you're glad to be alive. There are a couple I mean, of words that I like: flourish and thrive. As yourself, oh, right? Yeah, yeah as, but no. as yourself, not. Yeah. See, people see that as I think what I, what I, I eliminate from a lot of people with, when when I think in terms of, of success is it's not about getting on a pedestal and getting a medal. Yeah, it's about did you get to the end of the day and something cheered you up, or you laughed at something, or you learned something new today or you tasted something you never tasted before, maybe. And it's not going to happen every single day. And, this, and, and I think that the, the ultimate thing we're sold is this dream of happiness, which is, which is destroying us. Mm. This, the happiness is a very short-lived experience. It, yeah. it, it flashes in your brain as a certain amount of chemistry, which then goes away. But contentedness, the idea that you look around and you feel content. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, simple, the simple fact is, and this is proved, this is scientifically proven, is that we have a, a, um, a setting in the hum, human brain called um, anhedonic mm. adaptation, that no matter what you get, you will get used to it. Yeah. So it works yeah. both ways, painful things and happy things. So you win the lottery, you jump up and down for the cameras, you buy all the cars, you buy the big ass, and within, a, within two years, a year, even two years, you're back to square one where you were when you had no money. That's mm. your happiness level. It does yeah. not go because you got more. There's, a, there's another thing. It's the same when, you, when people who look at those. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. There's another thing going on, which is this. But I say you the same with, with tragedy. Mm. But yeah. about narrative, right? We have this idea that we're we're living a kind of linear narrative, and we'll get to the end of it, and there'll be this conclusion that it's all it's all neatly tied up and and uh yeah because we've seen films right we've sat for an hour and a half and at the end of the film it's, it's all, all resolved it's all resolved, it's resolved. and yeah. that's great no, <laughs> yeah yeah and we we some of us i mean i i was like going all oh, right okay so the potential was there for my mum to one day say son i'm proud of you right it wasn't gonna happen there's no that no, wasn't in her to do that and then when she's died, you're going, well, unless she gets in touch by a, a Ouija board or something, or a spiritualist, yeah. right? <laughs> then that's not happening. That's just not happening. So it's it's kind of, we, we think there's a kind of like a... I think, a sorry, go on. Because I think you're really onto something there. That we Because we are natural storytellers, mm. and, and, you know, the, like we say about objects, we invest mm. the story into the object. I mean... When, when we look at something we think is beautiful, it's not in the object. The object isn't beautiful. Mm. We view it with what we consider to be beautiful. Because what I, it's yeah, our what perception I of, of that you guys Yeah. So we've now got this endless Hollywood version of 
of of like you know I'm proud of you. So my mother yeah. never once said that. I don't think there were words that she would understand. It's not the answer in their comprehension. Think of me in those I don't even know, you know, what 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 she really thought. But I think she just, I was her son, and that was it. Good mm. enough. There's this. I mean, something heaven I use a lot is is good enough. Mm. Is a no, and I've always felt good enough for me, mum, and that was it. You know, and we've got this, like you say, this this this. There's this moment at the end where you know there's a there's the a, great yeah. outpouring of love and yeah. respect for. for it's like, no, it's, it's, like the it's like the emotional version of the, yeah. the the enemy base or the evil boss's base being blown up in Bond. Right, there's an emotional cathartic moment, and I hoped it would happen with my dad. And he had prostate cancer two years before he died, and I went so I went to give him a hug, and he put his hand out as if I was his bank manager, right? And then I, I tried it a second time and he did it again. But he he died, as I say, two years ago and he left me some money and I got this computer and I got a robot arm, right? And I realised I'd called the computer Norman after him so that I could have as much of an emotional contact with the computer and the robot arm as I did with my dad by shaking the hand of the robot arm. <laughs> Crazy. But it's, 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 it's funny, it's like, I'm thinking, while we were talking now, I was thinking, like, does my, do, I ever t do I ever tell my daughter that I love her? Does she ever tell me that she loves me? I think it's My daughters tell me that they love me, and I tell them. And I also tell them I'm proud of them. But I don't think it's, it's I know it. <laughs> I don't need to hear it, I know no, but it. I, but I, the reason why I say it is because I hear lots of people saying that's what they wished they'd heard. Just once that their well, mum or dad said. But that is big. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, you, you, you by saying that, you, you're, you're implying that you're not loved because it's not, it's not stated, it's not articulated by a parent. Then you're not loved, and that's not true because I can't not love my daughter. I don't know how not to. Um, and, and you know, if suddenly we had that to be a moment where you know you never told me you love me. Well, hold up a minute. You, you know that that's that's explicit in our relationship. No, Pip. I think this is where um, this is where you have to go. Oh, right. I hear what you say. Don't yeah. argue it. Don't carry on. Don't back yourself up. Just go. Of course, I love you, and I always will, and I always have. And that's that. it. Don't don't logicize it. Which no, is no, uh, I'm not. What I'm saying is people people get themselves tied up in knots over this stuff. Oh no, they it's do. Not, they do, of course. Uh, of course. And I see they, they are implying that it's not meant. And that's not true. <laughs> I know, but by the time you've spent all those not, all those long not, explanations, you could have just you, said no, you, you I love you. you, you or I'm proud of you. You wouldn't go and into those long explanations though. No, that, no, that's that's a, I think this is the point. What I'm saying is just because it's not said doesn't mean it's not felt. Yeah. And people at the end of somebody's life go, my mother never said she loved me. Mm. As though they, your mother didn't love you. That's not true. Mm. She articulated in words, but she bet you any money no, she did. I don't, I don't think some people can articulate yeah. it in words. They can't. They can't do it. And I, I yeah. lived with my mum until I was 21. So she fed me and she clothed me. She didn't understand yeah. me. Right. And and she probably didn't even to the point when when 
when um, when she died. But yeah, I, I have to take away that she she did everything she could, you know. So well, thank God my mother didn't understand me because she'd have thrown me out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, stories I, I could tell, but you know, yeah, not not here. But no, it, I think, what I'm no. trying to get through is that we 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 when when people have passed. Mm. And we, we, we get heartbroken over things that didn't happen. Mm. We forget to pay attention to what did happen. And yeah. in the things that happen are often the things that you want, but they are not uh, articulated in words. They're acted out, like you say, in actions of being fed, of being clothed, of being, yeah. you know, kept safe, of having a roof over your head. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. But because, like, like you were saying, Dave, we watched this, we've got this Hollywood version of how life goes. And we've taken it on board. And I think that's one of the things that shocks us, mm. is that, you know... There you is know, no the, big reveal at the end. There's no... Yeah, there's no yeah, there, isn't, there isn't the tidy, resolved, happy ending, and that's no. what everybody's after. But even if there was that ending, mm. then what? Because well, then you've then you've just got to die too, haven't you? Well, the story because never ends. You have that happy ending. The story never ends. End. Carries on. I mean, it's like yeah. soap operas, right? A story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? But if you watch a soap opera, that although the the stories in in there themselves end, they go on to another strand, yeah. and that's what happens with life. You get yeah. new generations of people coming in and. It carries on like that. Um, it's just that with the soap opera, I guess you do have some. It's resolution, isn't it? It's 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 yeah. kind of like, yeah, that thing's finished, and and now right, okay, we're on to a new season. I mean, that's one of the things I think think people are are struggling with. Again, back to, back to the the to the 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 stuff issue mm. is uh, I, I do think people are are buying permanence. Mm. Uh, can you, right. can the, you take the, that out, ghost, the ghost person that went past the window clearly, the ghost, is it the, the Scandinavian death clear? Yeah. The, mm -hmm. a, 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 you know, a person was the getting older in the life go, well, I'm not leaving my kids to deal with this. I'm dealing, you know, I'm getting rid of it. Mm. And uh, and I often say to people, you know, when, I, when I'm getting, because I have to do some quite blunt work with people when they when they sort of, when, when you've got the, the constant loop story of the stuff. And they're, and, they're, and they're practically being, you know, barristers for their own stuff. I go, well, where do you think this is going to go? You know, they'd often go, well, I can't let this go because it's valuable. And I can't let this go because it, it's sentimental. And I can't let this go because it, of the, I bought it. This particular thing. Loads, loads are useful. And I go, well, and when you are dead, it's all going to secondhand shops and the tip. Mm. Mm. Where now at this point in time, you have control over where it goes. But after you're not here, you honestly think your family are going to go, well, this big pile of this house filled from the floor to ceiling, is, we've got to keep this because it's a memory of mother. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. And, and the worst case scenario is you don't own the house. The council are coming in and they're just bringing a skip. I just and wonder I if, if people then see that, that as being um, tantamount to being dead before they're dead. You, I think you're right. You know, I think there is so, something in that. But... So. What I think you do is you you what you go through that experience. Um, it's almost like a shamanistic uh, uh, thing where you 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 release your own death, and then mm. without that stuff, 
you acquire time and space. Mm. You, I think the one thing I think you, that I really want my clients to to uh, experience is time. Mm. I think that's quite frightening. I think that, but on, a, on, a, on the first level, time that you spend wondering what to do with this stuff and wondering where that thing is that you had that you're now buried at the bottom of that stuff. I'm wondering, is that stuff safe? And then you maybe, you, as somebody I know recently did, you know, excavated from some of the stuff and found the stuff they wanted was ruined. Right. You've got, and now, now you're grieving for that. You've got your time, and it's, it just it takes you away. It steals you. Your yeah. stuff steals your time and steals you. And I think one of the, the fears, the, the obverse of that, is the fear of having time and what do I do with it? And that's one of my one of my roles in life is to go. What would you like to do? Let's see if we can get you to do that. So it's, it's the planning. It's the planning of the life that you can have when yeah. you haven't got well, maybe that stuff. You maybe know. That's something we could we could talk about another time, which is a time another time, uh, which is about time and experience and the use of time for gaining yeah. experience and well, memories. Another thing that, that, that Heather and I talk about a lot is, is people who grieve for the loss of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Because you identify with, with, your, with your problem. Yeah. And a lot of people do, because it, and it's reasonable because you get, a, you get a meaning in life, you get a position. When I was working in, 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 in frontline mental health, um, people knew who they were when they were, you know, to be blunt, when they were mad. They knew what the yeah. processes were. Yeah. They knew where they fitted in the scheme of things. They knew, how, and, and, they were, and they felt safe. It's like when I worked in the criminal justice system, uh, people I worked with, they knew how to be good criminals. Mm. So they couldn't, they, they didn't know how to exist in, in the world the way we do. Just They just hadn't got the format for it. They hadn't got the blueprint. And I don't think the criminal justice system understands that. So as quick as they possibly could, they get back into the criminal justice system, back into prison where the people don't understand they live in two worlds. So the grief for the loss of your problem mm. is a significant issue well, that become, I work with. People. You become institutionalized, don't you? It's, 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 it's Charles Bukowski said it, you know, it's not, it, 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 death is not the problem. It's people mm. who are dead in life. Mm. <laughs> that is a, that is, you, you know, I, I, we grieve for that. Mm. It's it's quite tragic. There are a lot of people out there living for misery, mm. living for and, a problem. And, and a lot of and a lot of time that misery, like you said, is is a habit. It's yes. become a habit, and that's that's the real tragedy of it. Because a rethink and a reframe and effort because effort has to be put into everything but but would buy that person if you like a completely fascinating life i'm going to blame soap operas again because do it go for it we'll watch something like eastenders and go why is my life not as exciting as this i'm going to create conflict that's just like this even though it's not existing in quite my life. possibly, quite possibly. But anyway, on that note, yeah. oh, oh. I think we need to say good night because yes. I have got to go somewhere really important. So, um, I believe, um, yeah, which is like no, that, that's amazing. That's a night out. I've had two nights out this week. One no, was, no, the shop. Are you hanging around out by the uh, the phone boxes with your fella? You? 
Yeah. Well, no, my fella's not coming. I'm going hello, to hello. And I'm back. I'm He's coming to eat them later. Are you having a fine wine with your fish and chips? Are you having a no, no, we're going to have um, white lightning. Fine. <laughs> Carlsberg <laughs> special brew. Yeah. Um, no, special brew. The only alcohol you don't have to advertise. <laughs> Other alcohols are available. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so maybe we will do that, Dave. We'll talk about time. And uh, how it's like running away with us, and how we might be wasting it, and how we yeah. can save time and gather time, and maybe hoard a bit of time instead of stuff. So, on that note, I'm going to bye. say bye. 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 <laughs> bye. See you again next time. <laughs>